Maybe we've gone a little overboard. Maybe there's people who say, you know, taking these Sunday nights and these Wednesday nights and shutting down what we normally do and learning new songs and learning how to, maybe all that's overboard. Maybe we've done too much. I've heard, I understand. I see that when a singing night comes, the attendance goes down. I get it and I understand it. But the question becomes, still every morning when you walk in the door and through, through those doors and come to take your seat, you've got to ask this question right here. Am I going to sing or am I not? Am I going to offer my song or am I going to stay silent? And I'm not going to judge you this morning whichever way you answer it. You're not going to be made to feel guilty, but I just want to ask the question. Long ago in the church, years and years ago, long before I was born, the church said preaching is where God is to be found and experienced the most. And that's when the podium became front and center. And everything out there, you're all directed right here to me today, right? It's all right here. And in fact, years before that, they even lifted it up a little higher. It's like this is where we find God. And then, and then there came a move that we put the communion table front and center. How many grew up in a church where the communion table was right smack dab in the middle? Remember? The, and it had the holy covering on it. Do you remember that? That your grandma wouldn't touch? I don't know what they cleaned it with, but it wasn't in a regular washer. But it was standing right here, right? And we gather. And now we've got two tables that we don't even use anymore. At least not for now. Can I tell you what young people say? And I say young people, I say people from even before I was born, it started to transition where we experience God the most mm -hmm. is in the singing. Because while I'm talking to you and you're listening to me, there's kind of a one-way dynamic going on here and maybe even in prayers that way. And in communion, it's kind of you and the Lord. You're thinking about each other, but you're looking inward. Well, what we do here is we're all equally participating. And that's why it became the place where people say, this is where I experience God the most. And churches need to pay attention. Right. So when you choose um, that question, to sing or not to sing, how do you choose? Well, here's one answer from James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you sick or in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Not just any song, songs of praise. So if you're happy, you should sing, which means logically that if you're not feeling happy today, maybe you shouldn't. That's what it sounds like, right? This word happy appears three times in Scripture, two other times in the same story in Acts chapter 27. Paul is in the middle of a shipwreck. You remember the story, right? He's in the shipwreck. It's going to crush, y'all. They're going to be landing on an island. They're going to be out in the open sea. But Paul gathers everybody together. And, and, and the first thing he says is, take courage. Don't worry about this. And those sailors are like, we've been in, we've been in shipwrecks before. This is terrible. What do you mean take courage? And he says, well, let me tell you a story of what I heard last night. God has guaranteed me not one of you is going to die if you stay on this ship. Not one, God's promise is to you. And so he says, take courage. God has given me a promise. Not one of you are going to be lost in this. So take courage. And it appears a second time. I think what James is saying is, do you need encouragement? Do you want to take courage in the truth? Do you want to be reminded of a promise from God that he's got you? Do you want that? Then sing. Now, for some of you, you came in with no doubts, nothing going on in your life, nothing bad is happening, no stress, no bad stuff. For you, maybe, you don't need to sing because you've got all the encouragement that you need. In that case, just sit there. But 
there's anywhere, anyone in here with stuff going on? With things weighing down on you? And you need to be reminded, you need to be reminded that we also have a promise from God that he's got us. It's not after the shipwreck is over, the storm has subsided, then you take courage, God helped you. God said, I want you to take courage in the middle of the storm. I want you to know so much that I've got you that even when you're being tossed here and there, and there are several here in this assembly right now who are being tossed right now, you don't need to sing because you're encouraged. You need to sing so that you will be encouraged. You need to take courage in the song. Now, this is weird. There's a couple of occasions like this, and I want to give you just one of them this morning. I had two for the early service. We're going to do one. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. What a weird story. You guys have probably long forgotten this. I had almost. Jehoshaphat was the king in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The Moabites and the Ammonites were getting together on a nearby hill, and they're about to come and attack Jehoshaphat, and he's scared to death. And so he comes together with the people and he gets them to fast with him. And while they're fasting, he stands up and gives this moving prayer about, we've got to ask God to save us in this mess. We've got to ask God to protect us from these enemies. And so he prays. And at the end of the prayer, one person assembled there stands up to give encouragement. It's not a warrior. It's not the military leader. It's the song leader. It's Mitchell Fitz. It's Mitchell Fitz gets up and says, y'all, don't worry about this, I got this. And you're like, we're putting our hope in Mitchell Fitz. Now I feel a stirring, right? That's what, that's what, that's what. The song leader gets up and says, don't y'all worry about this, we got this. The next morning, Jehoshaphat has this pep rally with the people and he says, okay. He tells the song leader, get everybody singing. This, I, you think I'm making this up, you get a chance to look it up, Second Chronicles 20. He gets the whole people, he gets all the people singing a song. I don't know what song it was, amazing, it could be any number of things. They start singing and God starts slaughtering. It's an amazing thing. The thing that's got them fearful, while they're singing, God's taking care of it. While they're singing, God's taking care of it. And here's what the text says. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Joab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Seir, right? Whoa, that's a disappearing thing. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they then turned on each other and slaughtered each other. And then the people, next slide, and when the men of Judah, the people who were singing, went to the place that overlooks where the enemy was gathered, it was a bloodbath. I can see Hollywood with a movie like this. The soundtrack would be this gentle, wonderful, worshipful song being sung over here, and over here is a violent torment of God destroying the enemies. I can just see that, and I, I wanna remind you this morning, when you walked in here and chose whether to sing or not, one of the reasons you need to sing is while you're singing, God's taking care of your stuff. And he's reminding you, I've got you. Maybe you didn't know that when the song started, but the song is a reminder, God's got me in this. If that's you, and you want that take courage impact, sing. If you don't need it, don't worry with it. But that's not the only reason to sing. There's this, there's this effect of singing 
where you get to tell God how grateful you are in a way that delights him. Now, you can tell God you're grateful with a life of faithfulness. You can tell him you're grateful with a prayer. But there's God's love languages. Y'all know about the love languages, right? In marriage, we've talked about this enough in marriage, okay? So let's say my language, my love language I like to speak is acts of service. I like to... I like to clean stuff, and I like to mow stuff, and I like to make things beautiful so that when when Melissa comes home on Friday, that's my day off, the house is spotless. She doesn't seem to care that much about that. That is a profound failure on her part. And this morning is a good invitation time, right? I don't understand that, but it doesn't seem to make much difference to her because here's the deal. That's not her love language. Now, I can sit here and argue all my life that you should be hearing me. You should be hearing me. Don't you hear me? She's not hearing it because it's not her. Her language is time together. So I've actually got to be in her presence for it to count. Right? That's the thing. I've got to be with her to count. It doesn't count if I'm not with her, which really ruins my language. Right? But I can either argue this or I can tell her I love her in her language so that she gets it. You choose what you want, guys. You can be frustrated all your life. I've been telling you that's all our married life, but you're not listening. Well, why don't you speak my language? And she needs to learn to speak mine too, but I want to tell God I'm grateful in a language he loves, not that I love. And all these languages are his, but can I tell you a picture? Can I show you a picture of what I see from Psalms? God is on his throne, and when his people blow the pitch pipe, and he hears the pitch, And we just joined like we did a moment ago. He, on his throne, just kind of rears back. I'm humanizing him for a moment for just this. He rears back and he closes his eyes and he takes sweet delight in being shown our gratitude. Don't you want to be the reason that look is on his face? Don't you want to? Or do you just want to say, well, I've been telling him I'm living my right. Uh, yeah, okay, I get all that. And he sees it and he appreciates that. But this is something that just bypasses everything and takes great delight. In fact, notice this, Psalm 100. If you want to enter his presence, you better come with a song. If you want to come into his courts, you, the closer you get to God, you better be singing. You better have it on your lips. So shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord of gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He, we are his people. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And, and then he goes on, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with prayer. The closer you get, this is, this is coming into the temple, y'all. You're getting closer to the Holy of Holies. And as the closer you get, you better have a song on your lips. And in fact, when we get the throne scene in, Roman, in Revelation 4 and 5, in Isaiah chapter 6 and Ezekiel, what is everybody who's right there at the throne doing? They're singing. If you're going to get close to him, y'all, if you want to get close, how close you want to get? If you want to get close, you better have a song on your lips. And by the way, over and over again, he says, bring me a new song. Now, I love, he's loving the old song. Don't get me wrong here and don't think you know what I'm about to say. He loves the old songs. And for those of you older people who grew up on those songs and that was your way of approach, we need to sing them for you. And we need to sing them with you. But every generation had better figure out how God's active in their life. 
Every generation better start claiming that God's present right here. Not, not 50 years ago, he's present in my generation. I want a new song, a song that re- reflects me, that communicates my heart, so that when I go, I'm not praising God for things he did 60 years ago I never saw. I've got enough that happened in my lifetime, I can praise him all day long with my fresh language. I've got something new. God wants to know, do you see me working now? I know you know I worked in Acts. Have you seen me lately? Will you praise me for what I've done lately? Will you draw a line between the great things of your life a week ago and me? Give me a new song. I want to hear new songs. And so we give them. And this is where I say to you, Your voice just simply doesn't matter. Anyone who ever told you it had to sound good to offer it is adding to Scripture, and I don't need to tell you what happens when you add to Scripture, do I? I... Yesterday when Keith said, somebody told you, somebody told you you couldn't sing. I was next to Mike Manning. He said, who told you you couldn't sing? And he started going. Started taking his shoes off, didn't you? I mean, it was, I was like, you mean to tell me people tell you you don't sound good? Must be your wife. That's who does it for me, too. Now, this is pick on Melissa Day, but here's how I know it. I'm sitting here, Melissa's sitting here, and when she sings, she does this. Shame on her. That's a second reason to come forward, right? That's, I don't know. But the idea is, anybody who said that, and here's how I know, y'all. When they got together in the temple... And they offered God that sacrifice. They slit the throat of that animal. It stunk high heaven. They burned that animal and that burning hair and stuff smelled awful. But how does God describe it? Sweet. And do you know he can't tell the difference between my voice and Keith Lancaster? Did you know that? He cannot tell the difference. God says he closes his eyes and he takes it and he says, I love that sound. My people singing for me. As they draw closer, one last thing I would say. You should sing if you're happy or you want to take joy, take courage from today. You should sing. If you don't, just bypass it. You should sing if you're grateful and you want to tell God in a way that he loves to be told. But there's a third thing. There's this responsibility to one another. Colossians chapter 3. The message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. We're teaching each other. We're saying something. And this is important, not just what we say, but that we're saying it. That we're saying it. And I'll tell you that in a minute. There's two sides. Ephesians says the same thing in case you need another one to affirm you. Next screen. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you are filled with the Spirit, if the Spirit is living in you, coming out of you, it's going to look four different ways. And two of them are singing. One of them is speaking to one another, right? So we are actually teaching each other and admonishing each other as we gather here. You are saying things to each other and we are reminding each other of what we believe. And the words that we sing when put with a tune are are, are being given burrowing power. You know what that means? It burrows deep into your heart. It like stays in there better by tune. This is why when you look for a book of the Bible and you don't have a computer or a phone, you will sing the song right? How many of you sing the books of the Bible song? Yeah, you still do. When you're trying to remember who the disciples were, you break out a song because somehow putting them with a tune drives them deep into the heart. And that's what these truths are for. And that's what these songs are for. Listen, these songs we've sung this morning are not just little ditties, right? 
They're not little songs with not little words. These are heavy doctrine that we need to sustain our faith in a world that just batters us round and round. We need these doctrines, and we need to drive them home more than just in a confession. We drive them in a song. So in the morning in the fitness center, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get on the elliptical machine. Monday is the elliptical machine. It's the stepper thing. And I'm going to remind myself of all the things for this day. I'm going to put these earplugs in that are not giving me music. They're just blocking out the music. They're playing all sorts of weird music. Some of it's terrible. And they're playing it over, and I can't control that they play. So guys, the, the songs are just playing. I can't. But I block them out as much as I can, and I start thinking about the obligations I have to God, and the songs start coming to my head. So I'm going to sing tomorrow. Not out loud. Don't ask anybody if I sing. I sing it into my head. Father God, just for today. Help me walk the narrow way. Help me stand when I might fall. Give me the strength to hear your call. May my steps be worship. I'm on a step machine, you see. Steps be Brilliant, isn't it? That's brilliant. May my steps be worship. May my thoughts be praise. May my words bring honor to your name for this whole day. And then I go into, oh God, you are my God, right? Because I, step by step, there it is again. See, so I'm, I'm making this, and I'm saying these songs drive home what I should be doing in a way that just talking to myself doesn't. Those songs have the power, and here's why it's important. The world is singing its song too. The songs of the world are all around us, and sometimes we're memorizing them and singing them to ourselves. It's the siren song of our society. Everywhere we go, it's like an earworm. It's like going to Disney World. It's a small world after all. Y'all been to that ride? It goes a thousand times while you're with your kids, and the rest of the day you can't get away. It's a small world, and it just got, goes with you all day long. I need a song to offset the world song. It needs to stay in there and be compelling and significant enough to make a difference. They're trying to slap my beliefs out of my hands. They're trying to get me to let hold of some of these truths. And yes, I'm going to hang on to them intellectually, but I need something to go re deep into the heart. And that's where these songs go. But it's not just the words. It's that you are singing them. If I come to church and I'm singing these words and I believe them and I look around and half of our people aren't singing them, I'm going to start thinking I'm alone. And that's a big problem. My heart needs to know Dennis Gregory believes this. His testimony doesn't have to be given from up here. His testimony is in his pew as he contributes his voice to mine. And I look over there and that dear brother of mine believes this enough to sing it. To sing it to me. And there are weeks when I really need to hear him. And I need to know I'm not alone in this whole thing. And I see Wesley do it. But not just Wesley. I want to see Jen Kahn back in the back. I want to see Melissa Gardner singing it. And when I see you, you singing it, I know you believe it. I don't have to wonder in my head, am I alone in this? Or do my brothers that gather here believe the same thing? I know they believe it because I see their lips moving. I don't even have to hear your voice. I see your lips moving. It's not just the words you sing. It's that you're singing. 
It's that you're singing and you're telling me, I'm bearing witness with you. This is important to me. And it gives me strength for my faith. I'm not saying my faith depends on you. Yes, I am. The strength of my faith will be impacted by whether you believe it enough to sing it. And if you're a young person and you're so cool that you can't sing, there's something more wrong with you than your song. And if we just sit here and just go, well, I just don't Whatever your reason for not singing, that's a problem beyond the song. I need, I need to look out and see Gary James singing. Whether his voice is strong anymore or not. I need to see you sing. And no, I'm not alone in this thing. And so does everybody sitting on your pew. I'm just going to say one more word about this from a book that nobody even knows is in the Bible. Zephaniah. Do you know it was in the Bible? You ever quote Zephaniah? Zephaniah has a lot of judgment. He's mad at God's people. He's judging God's people, and he's going to judge the people who he uses to judge God's people. But at the end, he says, but in my mind, the reason I'm doing all this is I'm thinking of a day when my people are all back together and they're praising me again. And here's what he says. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Be glad. Rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. Is that true of you this morning? Has the Lord taken away your punishment? You're not convinced. I need to hear. Has the Lord taken your punishment away? We're about to gather around the table, y'all. He's taken our punishment away. What we deserve, we ain't going to face. He's taken our punishment away, and he's turned back the enemy. All right, next screen. The Lord the king of Israel is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. This is when God gathers his people again. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, don't fear, don't let your hands hang limp. Listen to this next one. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In love, he will no longer rebuke you. He will rejoice over you with what? He's gonna sing over you. If you want him singing over you in that day, we need to be singing of him today. Take up your voice, but let me urge you, don't miss out on hearing his song. You want to be there that day when he sings over us. Nothing is worth missing that. He'll sing, and he wants you to sing till then. If there's anyone who needs to respond this morning spiritually, you've got some things to take care of, you and God, and you can take care of that yourself right where you are, but you just might need some help of the fellow congregation here. We would be glad to do that. Look in our face, and we'll give you the, the look from God the best we can as his people. If there's somebody who's never responded, and your voice is not in that chorus because you're not a child of God, this morning is a great time for you to give your life to him in the waters of immersion after you confess his name with your lips. Whatever is your need, make it known now as we stand and as we sing.